Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. And Pastor Tyler started us down a, uh, a new series called Unashamed, and he made a little acrostic for it, and I forgot to get all the little meanings of the acrostic, but today's is going to be about the new life, and the Bible verse that he's been using is Romans 1, 16 through 17, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Well, I kind of had a, a few weeks to think about this sermon and think about the new life, and the series is about being unashamed. And uh, a lot of you guys probably know my, my story, have heard my testimony. I have actually a lot of things to be ashamed about. Um, there's a lot of things as I reflect back into my life that... I wish I, I, I didn't go through, and I wish that I had made some of the decisions that I had made. And, and after a while, if you start thinking like that, you begin to sort of put yourself down, and you begin to um, be kind of feel guilt and, and that shame and, and, and pain. But because he's the way maker, we don't have to worry about the old life, and we're going to be focusing on the new life this morning. And since I was so big into motorcycles, I was kind of thinking, you know, I was like this old motorcycle that was broke down in, in the back of an old junky barn that was forgotten about like 50 or 60 years ago. And that old motorcycle, you know, at one time it was, it was worth something. It was probably pretty cool, but it's all, this one I'm thinking of is kind of rusted down. Life happened to it. Um, it, it got, you know, beat up and uh, not taken care of and... You know, it went down some pretty rough roads, that old motorcycle did. And now I picture this motorcycle in the garage of this old barn. Well, this old barn, I picture this motorcycle being. And the tires don't move. Uh, the paint's dull, and it's got all this dust on it. And, and the motor's seized up. It's locked up, and it needs some sanding. and needs some honing. Um, and it needs a new paint job. It needs someone to, to pay attention to it and say, and see that motorcycle for what it really is. And this morning, that's the picture that God has for each and every one of you. He sees the pain that you have. He sees your hurt. He sees the shame and, and guilt and pain that, that some of us carry around. But that's not the end of the story. He's got a lot more for us. And, and someone today, I want, I hope that somebody today, as they go through, my prayer has been for the last couple weeks, that you can leave this old life behind and become unashamed and walk out of here with the new life this morning. Our scripture is going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. If you would turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Paul's writing here, and he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here, and all this is from God who reconciled us to himself 
through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This morning, in order to be unashamed of the new life, we need to be reconciled with God. Uh, the Webster's Dictionary defines recon being reconciled or reconciliation, the word reconcile, they define it, as the state of restoring harmony. The state of restoring harmony. The Amplified Bible says, God made us acceptable to him. Now, there was one time we wasn't acceptable, but God made us acceptable to him. The Bible tells us that we all fall short of God's glory, and not even one of us is good. Not even one. I know that there's a lot of people out there that think they're good and that they do good things and it's about the things they do. And a couple weeks ago, we got to go down to the, uh, um, the spur there and hand out food just to people. And one person stopped and said, what are you guys doing? Like you're taking collection up for money? I was like, no, we're giving food. I've never heard of anyone giving things at the, at the uh, spur before, the lady said. That was one lady. Another lady came up. We was asking them personal questions as they was driving by, you know, speed... It was almost like fly fishing real quick, you know. We were just like throwing the line out there and, and pulling them in. We only have a couple seconds on the side of the road. And, and I asked one other lady, I said, is, can I ask you a personal question? And she said, what's that? I said, what do, you, do you know where you're going to go if you was to die today? She's like, she thought about it. She's kind of really mulling it around. She goes, I think I do. And I said, well, what do you base where you're going on today? She said, I do some pretty good things. I'm a good person. I, I do some good deeds and stuff. And I said, you're not basing it on Jesus? And she said, well, I haven't yet. The Bible tells us that we all fall short of God's glory. We've all sinned and fallen short. Sin equals death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This morning, Paul's telling us we're either in Christ or we're not. Jesus told the church of Laodicea, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. Chapter 3, verse 15, it says, I know your deeds that you were neither cold nor hot. I wish, I wish you was either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This morning, if you're kind of the one that's not really sure why you're going to heaven, uh, anything outside of the blood of Jesus, um, most likely you're probably cold. And in my notes, I wasn't going to really talk about cold, but cold probably doesn't even want to come into the building. I'm not 100% sure. But lukewarm is the lady at the stop sign that thought she was doing okay. She thought she was going to probably get to heaven because she was a good person doing good things in her mind. But that's not what the Bible tells us at all about going to heaven. Um, being lukewarm means you're not depending on God. You're not asking God about your plans. You're not asking God about your finances. You're not asking God to take care of your family. You're not asking God to lead you and protect you and guide you this morning. You're lukewarm. You think you're doing good. You're okay this morning. 
But there's a warning this morning. You're not okay if you don't, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. You have to experience that new life that we talked about last week. And it's by asking Jesus to come into your life and to renew you, make you a new person, to restore you. He's the one that's going to sanctify you. He's the one that's going to restore you to salvation, to his, his right place. He wants you to be on fire. He wants you to be hot. He wants you to know where you're standing. He wants you to be in his word on your knees, in prayer, serving him, living your life out the way he created you. He wanted, uh, he wants you to be like the picture that we saw Brad last week. There's no doubt in anyone's mind after last week that Brad's on fire for the Lord and he wants you to know about it. And he wants to tell people about the power that Jesus has in salvation and that the good news of the gospel is changing lives today no matter where you've been, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. Jesus said he came to give life and life more abundantly. Paul said in Ephesians that we're, we haven't even begun to live yet because we're dead in our transgressions if we haven't asked Jesus into our life. And that actually is the most freeing verse in the whole, for me, Brad asked me this week what my life verse was. Kind of, Brad challenged me this week. <laughs> and I told him, I got it in, in uh, my sermon here, but I'll say it again. It's First John 1, 7 for me, that if we walk in the light as Jesus in the light and we have fellowship with one another, the blood of Christ will cleanse us, purify us from all sin. But all sin, he, he's going to purify us from all sin. I actually got to get back to that one. But really, Brad, it's Ephesians 2, 8, that it's grace by faith that you're saved, not by good works. So no man could boast. Otherwise, we could be up here boasting that I've done good things or we've done good things. All it has to do is that with that, that blood is if you ever talk to Steve, you know, on the cross, that Jesus hanging there and dying for our sins. It's, but Jesus, he come to give us life so that we can have it more abundantly. If you think that you're doing good and you've had a good life and people will look back and and they'll uh, commend you at that graveside service for how good of a life you lived. You haven't even begun to live yet if you haven't asked Jesus in your life. And he's preparing a place for us this moment. There's too much at stake to be lukewarm. 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim that to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This morning, you're either in Christ or you're not. There's, there's no middle ground. If you think that you're in the middle, you're getting ready to get spit out. There's no middle ground in the gospel. You're either all in or you're all out. If you think you're doing good, you're getting ready to get destroyed. The work's already been done. It's by grace that we're saved through faith, not by works so no man can boast. If it was about work, which good work should we start doing? Where should we start? What good work is going to be good enough? There's no amount of prayers that's going to save you. There's no number of people you can go witness to that's going to save you. There's no amount of mission trips that's going to save you. The only thing that saves is the blood of Jesus. 
and he's going to purify us, we just talked about, of all sin. There's no sin too big for God to pay. He paid it all on that cross. But we've got to be reconciled with him so that he stops counting your sins against you. Romans 8 says, all who calls upon, uh, Romans 10 says, all who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There should be no doubt. It should be as far as, you know, out of your mind as possible. I, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. My next point is, once you realize that you need Jesus, and once you have him to come into your life, in order to be unashamed of the new life, we need to let go of the past. We need to let go of it. Outside of Jesus, one of my favorite Bible characters in the whole Bible is, is David. See, I see David as this guy that was overlooked. But I also see him as this giant that stood up when no one else wanted to. I see that God prepared David for that moment in time. Like he's preparing each and every one of us. You know, my past this morning is kind of interesting. We was going into uh, in Sunday school. It challenged us to look back. 15 years ago in your life, where was you? 15 years ago in my life, I was hungover this morning. And I wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't have had nothing in my pockets but an empty old pipe. And a motorcycle sitting outside of someone's driveway with frost on the seat. 15 years ago. But as I look back through those things, you know, that over my life that God has brought me to today, I don't know that I would be as on fire as I am right now if it wasn't for those dark moments when I had nothing, when I was, you know, living the wrong way. The highway to hell, really. As, so, as uh, David begins uh, his ministry... They're cheering for him. They're like, you know, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands. You know, David's a character we can get behind. But David also had a lot in his past to be shamed about. And, and that shame brought David a, a whole bunch of consequences. Um, and as some, one of the story goes, he, David had a, a wandering eye, and he let the curio curiosity kill the cat. But David, he had warnings. You know, God sent him warnings, stop. Bathsheba there, she's the wife of Uriah. He knew that she was married. She was spoken for. He, she was off limits. But he, he overlooked the warnings. He, he continued on, right? Then, instead of just admitting his sin once it occurred, he could have admitted it. He could have said, I'm sorry, I, I went too far. But no, then he goes and tries to have Uriah killed, Bathsheba's husband. He tries to cover it up and hide it up. And his hands are pretty dirty now. He's, he's not only an adulterer, but he's a murderer. And he's a liar. But he's the king over the greatest nation of the world. He's on top of the world, but really his sin has brought him so low. And his sin cost him dearly. And then we find, that's all Old Testament stuff, then we find in the New Testament that David is a man after God's own heart. Whoa. You know, how many people say that they're not good enough to come to church or that the church is going to fall in on them or, or they don't deserve God's grace or his mercy, but look at all what David done. But he was, a, what made him a man after God's own heart? 
What made him a man after God's own heart is he admitted that he needed God. He knew that he hadn't been from, you know, overlooked to the, the king of Israel on his own. It was all about God. He needed God. And here's what David wrote in, the, in Psalms 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you deserved faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach, I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You are God, my Savior. My tongue will sing of your righteousness. I open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifices, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Today, if you ask Jesus in your heart, he's going to open you with arms wide open. He's not going to despise you. Psalms 103.8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Praise God there. Or repay us according to our iniquities. And this is the part I jumped a little bit ahead earlier. I was getting excited. For as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has removed our transgressions from us. God doesn't know your sin after you apply it to the blood of Jesus. It's forgotten. I like another one. It's one of my favorite ones if I was to go to the jail or really any place. Everybody knows John 3.16, how much God loved the world. But 3.17 says that God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to save us from our sins. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. We need to stop condemning ourselves and telling ourselves that we're no good. A lot of times we need to stop letting Satan fill our ears with lies. Tell us that we're no good. Questioning God's word in our life. Did God really say? You know, that's a big one right there. Did God really say? But I won't go far down that road. It'll be okay this one time. You have grace. Right? That, some, some, some people I know. God has grace for that. 
He does, but should we continue in that sin that he saved you from? When you dig up the grave, it stinks. So we need to stop looking in the past. We need to start looking towards our calling. So in order to be unashamed of the new life, we need to step into our calling. Paul says we are Christ's ambassadors. And he says in 8.17 that we are heirs, heirs with Christ. Children of God. This right here is my favorite one. I get real excited about this. I'm fascinated by the story of like the royal families and like the Queen of England. And Netflix has a real good uh, episode. There's one real bad there's one real bad show in that series. But the Queen of England and all that, that, that really excites me. It's kind of interesting. Could you imagine if, some, if the Queen of England came right now and said, we just found out you're, you're of the royal bloodline. Everything I own as the Queen of England is now yours. Think about all the money they have, all the land. I mean, who doesn't kind of get excited about Royalty. Maybe it's just me, I don't know. <laughs> Think about the little cars they drive around. I don't know if you guys watch it, but they got like the coolest cars. Uh, not quite as cool as Alex's this morning, but you know, kind of similar, you know. They got the Rolls Royces and everything. But that's exactly what God's saying to each and every one of us today. That you could have the royal bloodline flowing through your veins this afternoon. And you can have an inheritance of no other inheritance. It doesn't perish. His inheritance doesn't. His inheritance, you know, the royal, the crown, the, the queen of England, you know, their, their stuff is going to fade eventually. You know, it's not going to work. I mean, their old 1930s cars aren't really as cool as the cars that we have today. They're just not as cool anymore. Their, their clothes are going to wear out. Their buildings are going to crumble. It's all actually going to come to an end. It's going to be dispersed. It's going to be gone. It's going to crumble. But there's a place waiting for us that ain't perishing. It's not going away. And it's being prepared right now for you. Some of us never had our own room, never had our own house. But right now there's a mansion being prepared for you. And, and I don't even have any gold. I don't own no gold. You know, I own no gold. Kristen has the one little piece of gold that we own, and it was inherited to us by my family. It's like a little, you know, sliver of a piece of gold. I'm not even sure how much it is. Probably not even. <laughs> but the streets up there are paved with gold. And who even cares about all that when you have the Savior sitting on the throne? We won't have to worry no more. We won't have to have no more pain. We won't be no more shame, no more guilt, no more struggles, no more having to worry about going to work this week. That's the good news of the gospel right there. And that is what we are called to, to be ambassadors for Christ. Webster's Dictionary defines being an ambassador, an ambassador as an authorized representative or messenger. How many people this morning have been Sending out the message, the good news of the gospel this week. That Jesus died for someone on that cross and saved them from the place that they've been. We've been given quite the job. We've been given quite the inheritance if we'd accept it. So the next last point is in order to be unashamed of the new life, we need to start walking in that calling. 
We need to start answering the call. We need to start doing something. If you're not doing anything, you're kind of in that lukewarm state. Remember, you're getting ready to get spit out. If you're in that lukewarm state, we gotta, we've been saved for a purpose. There's a lot of lost and dying people, you know, outside those walls, down the highways and the byways, any, anywhere you, you turn. Once you get saved, it's not over. It's just the beginning. Paul says in Romans 10, 14, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they've been sent? This morning, you need to go. As Pastor Brian kind of warmed us up, you know, we, we connect people, we try to grow them and, and go. In the last three years, I guess, I've been never been so much more connected. And, and, you know, Pastor Tyler, if you guys aren't growing, you're not talking to Pastor Tyler, or you're not in a small group, or you're not doing something, you're probably kind of in the cold state. I've never grown so much in the last few years. And we need to go. Some people are thinking to themselves, well, I don't really have a good voice. Um, I, I can't really speak well, so I can't go. Some people are thinking, you know, they saw Pastor Marcuse come up here a couple weeks ago. They're like, oh, I don't have $2,500. Well, I didn't either the day I said I'd go to Brazil. The next day I had it. That's how God is. You know, I, I looked at Kristen, Jamie Reynolds had asked me over and over. I kept telling him no, kept telling him no. I turned over to Chris and I said, I think I'm supposed to go to Brazil. And she's like, why? Why do you think that? And I was like, well, it's just, now it's beginning to be too personal. Like, it just, it doesn't stop. God hasn't stopped nagging me about, through Jamie, about going to Brazil. And she's like, well, why don't you go? I said, I don't have $2,500. I mean, we don't even, that was before, that was before Mike came in our life. And, and, and started getting us thinking about money and stuff. and But really, it had nothing to do with the Dave Ramsey plan. The next day, God put it in my hands, the $2,500 I never expected to go to that missions trip. God's going to give it. He's going to provide. If you need a speaker, he'll send someone to speak for you. And I'm going to pick on Tom for the next few minutes. If you don't think you have what it takes to go on a missions trip, you never hung out with, with Pastor Tom Patterson. Okay, I, I always call him pastor because he's my pastor in my mind in a way. Not above Tyler, but Tom. Tom really, I mean, if you talk to Tom, he's going to, uh, he's going to fill you with that good news and how to share that gospel. And you, you begin to look, how easy is it when you watch Tom do it? I mean, it doesn't matter if Tom is at a gas station or getting a burger. It doesn't matter if you're camping. He's going to come and sit and join you at your campsite and ask you if you know about Jesus that morning. Um, it doesn't matter if you're four-wheeling up Lico. He's going to stop and ask you, do you know Jesus? We're on the four-wheeler and we're driving down the dirt roads, you know, in the middle of nowhere is on a four-wheeler, okay? And Tom pulls this boy over and he says, Son, you know what this is? I left my Bible down there. 
He said, you know what this is, son? He's like, yeah, it's, it's a Bible. And Tom starts asking if he knows Jesus and everything, if he really knows the gospel. And the kids started getting real nervous. My mom is going to get real mad at me if I don't get out of here. You know, it doesn't matter where you are with Tom. He's going to give you the gospel. It doesn't matter if you're on the, in the beach vacationing. If Tom's there, you're going to hear the word. He's going to ask you what you believe. Where's your fruit? He wants to know. He wants to make sure that he's being that representative. He's answering his call. But maybe you're more of the quiet type. And here's where Ann comes into play. Wherever Tom's preaching the word, Ann's just over there in the corner kind of praying for that person. Lord, let that person receive the gospel, the good news. When you look at Ann, you can see that she's been with the Lord in prayer. You know, she's glowing. You know, and that's what people need to see from us when we have the new life. When we're unashamed of the new life, people can tell. They're, you're on fire. There's no confusing what's going on. This morning, if you're unashamed of the gospel, if you're unashamed of that new life, start walking in your calling. Start being that representative, that messenger. And maybe somebody today needs to begin the new life. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.